Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you that we find ourselves in the house of the Lord, watching your hand upon our lives. Thank you for the people of God that are motivated to uh, instruct others in your word. Uh, The amount of uh, preparation, the amount of of volunteer time and serving, uh, using our talents and our gifts to bless those that are not our family in the natural. If we were looking out for just our family, we probably wouldn't partake in the church. But because you first loved us and we learned how to love others, then we make ourselves available to events like Ladies with Dignity and Vacation Bible School and Magnified Dance where we're able to care about others and serve others and exemplify, be the example of what you did for us. We pray that you would bless your word this morning, anoint it, O God, that that living word, the seed, the good seed planted in good hearts would bring forth fruit, a harvest that will glorify your name. We shall see your great works, your exploits upon the earth and glorify our Father who's in heaven. Thank you for our family and friends. Thank you for an opportunity to know you and to serve you. Thank you, Lord, that your word is a lamp unto our feet. Allow us not to stumble. Allow us, Father God, to live according to your wisdom and not ours. We pray that you would prosper your word in our hearts and our lives and that your grace might abound towards us more and more. Now be glorified, O God, and allow us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. It was um, the beginning of the Bible that God would tell Abraham, there will come a time where your sons will fall as slaves in the land of Egypt. It is foretold a time to come in the future where Israel would find themselves separated from God and captive to Pharaoh. This is historically sound, and you can go back and study the pyramids and Egypt and find that whole culture of the servitude of God's people. Let's start reading Genesis 15, 13. God said to Abram, know for sure that your descendants will be strangers. They will be foreigners living in a land that is not theirs. That concept strikes us as, as to real. Sometimes we feel that we don't fit in the world because things are upside down and, and things are weird. We, we're not from this world. Uh, we're foreigners. That is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them for 400 years. I want to tell you that the United States is still not 400 years old. In 1976, it was the bicentennial 200 years, 1976. So I guess um, 2076, it will be 300 years. 
But God told Abraham, for 400 years, your sons and daughters will be slaves in the land of Egypt. And so this whole concept, you imagine from the beginning of the United States across uh, the landscape of 400 years, there was no other mentality amongst God's people than that they were slaves. And, and, and we're no longer slaves because of Jesus Christ. But a slave is a violent relationship. A violent relationship means that you were forced to labor. There is nothing worse than obligating a person to do what's against his will. If I had a whip and I was cracking that whip and forcing you to labor and forcing you to conduct yourself, this is what happens in the circus with a lion and the tigers and, and most recently uh, we, were, we were given some horses here, and they're wild horses, so we're trying to get them out of that slave mentality where I don't want the horse to do what I want because I force him to do. I want him to do what I want because he loves to do it. He enjoys the presence of his rider. And so because they were accustomed to being slaves, the word chaos comes up. If you know the background of a slave, a slave trusts nobody, everything's by force, he wants out of the relationship, he, he feels he's being uh, overpowered, he's being imposed upon. Um, it's, it's a horrible mindset to be in that situation. Exodus chapter 14 Verse 10, the Bible says that Pharaoh approached the Israelites and looked up and saw the Egyptians marching after them. This is when they're making their exodus. That's why the book of Exodus is called that. They're making their leaving Egypt. And I don't know if you realize what it's like to leave the world of being a slave. Where you're scared, where you're forced, where you're imposed upon. It's a horrible existence. And the Bible says as they were leaving Egypt, God sent Moses in there to lead them out of this condition. The children of Israel lifted their eyes and they saw the Egyptians coming after them. So as soon as they see their masters coming back towards their life, the Fear factor comes in their hearts. They were afraid. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is there a difference, is there a difference of being afraid of God? Where your relationship is, uh, God's going to burn me if I don't do what he says. Or out of love. Where you're serving God because you love him. You're not forced to go to ladies with dignity. You're not forced to do vacation Bible school. You're not forced to come to church on Sunday. You can't wait. I have some people tell me, Pastor, I can't wait for next Sunday. I want to hear God. I want to be amongst his people. So the attraction of love is different than the, the factor of the fear factor. As they saw the Egyptians, they were afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. 
They're like, what's going to happen next? Verse 11 says, look what verse 11 says. And they said to Moses, are you bringing us out to die in the desert because there's no graves in Egypt? Have you taken us this way so we could die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? A, a slave feels that whatever is coming down, they could only define the future by the experience of their past. Um, there was a movie called Trading Places. It's one of the first Eddie Murphy movies. And he's brought out of being a homeless on the street. They give him a suit. They bring him into a mansion. They say, everything here is yours. And so he goes around and he's like, he's like uh, this is beautiful over there. And, and he steals something. And they said, you don't have to steal anything. It's yours. And he couldn't believe it. Oh, yes, it's mine. And look over there. And he would take something else and, and put it. And he would. So when you are living like a slave amongst a place where God has given you everything for your enjoyment, they couldn't see that there. They said, Moses, you're bringing us out of Egypt to kill us in the desert. Ephesians 14, verse 12. Did we not say to you? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we might serve the Egyptians? Once a slave, always a slave. The, the mindset of I'll never be a free man. I'll never conduct myself at the liberty. Just let me die as a slave. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that now we should die in the desert. I want to make a contrast. Do you know the difference between a slave and a servant? We don't. We look at both of them and we say it's the same thing. No, a slave is involuntary. A servant is voluntary. A slave is by another's force and, and a servant is surrendering his life uh, motivated by love. He wants to serve. That's what Jesus is a picture of. And so they couldn't tell the difference. And so it's important that we leave the mindset of a slave and come into the mindset of a servant. Remember the words voluntary. Nobody's forcing me. Willingly. Usually a conscious effort to be able to lay down your life for the benefit of others. That, that's what's going on here at the church. We're learning how to put away self because a slave is self-centered. He's only concerned about how he feels, how he thinks, what he wants, where he wants, as many times as he wants. And so when you bring a multitude of people that have that mindset, I'm going to tell you something. There could be no church. We cannot have people that come from the world doing what they want, how they want, where they want. They come into the church with the Bible. They learn a couple Bible verses. And now they continue to be slaves. Why are they making us do this? I can't believe they're imposing. I, why don't they listen? And not some aspect of saying, I'm here to serve. I want to tell you the secret of greatness. He who is a servant is the greatest of all. 
I didn't say that. Jesus did. When the men go looking for a job, they're usually young men, and they want to be prosperous in this world, and they say, Pastor, I'm going to go to get a job. I'm going to the interview. What do I tell those who will hire me? And I tell them, this is the magic words. I'm here to serve you in whatever capacity you need. They're like, the, the employer faints. He's like, that's not what I've heard. I've heard people come to the interview and ask the boss, what are you guys going to offer me? Hey, Dodo Bird, you just got there. You have nothing to be offered. The only thing you can do is serve so you can get promoted. And if you don't serve, you become a disgruntled employee. And you know what they do with disgruntled employees? You're fired. They get rid of you. You've lost your value. So God had to take his people out of a mindset of slavery. I want to ask you, have you surrendered your will? Do you consider yourself a servant? Or are you always the victim of other people's pressures to exert upon you what you have not surrendered? It's the most horrific sentiment a man could experience. To be a servant is voluntary. It's willingly. It's nonviolent. It doesn't build the ego. To be a servant is, is the joy of laying your life down. It's the freedom of being able to be made available to participate. All the bitterness that takes place in the heart of those people that aren't surrendered in their will, that are not walking in love, that are reaching out for entitlement and what they, what they own, ownership. It's the imbalance of improper thoughts. A slave, on the other hand, is involuntary. He's driven by violence and fear and anger and resentment. He's driven by sentiments that are not conducive of family. John chapter 8 verse 35, Jesus said these words, very important. A slave will not remain as a member of the family. A slave does not take part of a family long term. He's in there looking for his own benefits. And listen to me, what I was looking for. For yesterday was the benefit of 42 young women that will champion life. And that brought joy to my heart. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about my daughter. It wasn't even about my granddaughter. They were not there. They did not participate. I no longer am looking for an opportunity to benefit self, but I'm looking to serve others. Nobody's forcing me to participate in these events. One man showed up and he said like this. He says, Pastor, how do you pay for all this? I said, I'll tell you how we pay for all this. First of all, each little girl pays $50. That's the registration fee. And then some families find it so important that they pull out additional hundreds of dollars and they put it towards Lady with Dignity. And this allows for a greater expression. The food here yesterday was five stars. Five stars through the roof. Chocolate dipped strawberries. Que rico. 
Because we not only focused on the young girls and their needs, we focused on presenting a table that was worthy of the Lord. I got here like around 1 o'clock, and I said, okay, I see the fashion show is ready. Where are the fashion show lights? There are none. We're just going to put those white ones that you turn on and pew. I said, no, we can't do that. We're going to make this fashion show greater than any worldly fashion show that's out there because we're going to show the real models, the real examples to all that will come. So he started putting lights up. We put about 15 lights up. And then we said, turn off those white lights, the white lamps. And then we need background music, so let's get some fashion show background music because we're going to set the scene. Why? Because my daughter was there? No. Because my granddaughter? No. I don't even think my nieces were there. They were teaching. They weren't, they weren't participating. But we did everything like if it was our daughters, our granddaughters, our nieces. That's who we are. We're the people of God. We're not stuck on self. Me hicieron. No me hicieron. Me van a ser. That's Spanish for... Oh, woe is me. How horrible it is that we forget that God pulled us out of a sicko mindset of selfishness. You're no longer slaves to self. You're free to serve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're free to lose your life in this world that God might give you His peace, his joy. But the mindset of God's people in those days was that they were an irreverent people. The guy who's actually calling them out to the promised land, they say to him, you want us to die. You have prepared graves in the desert to kill us. We told you that before we left. Listen, my friends, I would have just left them right there. I would have left them right there. You guys take off. Do whatever you want. Go back to Egypt. They, they had an Egyptian mindset. And so in their Egyptian mindset, all they did was talk about why did you ever remove us from Egypt? These slaves will not. I want to read that verse again. John 8.35. A slave can't wait to get out of the family relationship. He's not going to stay there. Slaves do not abide in the house forever. A guy who's looking for his own benefit, the church is super unattractive because the church is not about you, my friend. Who made you the center of what's going on? Who, who told you that, that you're to come and, and soothe your complaints and your pursuit? But a son... The, the difference between a slave and a servant, a son becoming like a servant, abides forever in family. I, I, my, my boys tell me all the time, I can't think of a time where I'm going to not be a part of this incredible place. I have nowhere else to go but home. An opportunity to serve others. And, and listen, I, I don't know, there, these were 42 girls, but if we, you go back a couple years and you do 42 and 42 and 42 and 42, there's probably 120 girls gone through this program. And only a few daughters will stay and help the next class. And only a few daughters will help and participate and be joyous and can't wait. Other people do not want to participate because they're serving themselves. 
you, you'll see this mindset of being rebellious uh, and being self-centered. Look at, their, look at their cry here in Numbers chapter 11, verse 20. He says, but for a, month, a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, when you want your own thing, and then you get sick and tired of your own thing, because you've despised the Lord, he's the one that is among you, and you have a sentiment before him saying, why did we ever come out of Egypt? This is the same thing as saying, why did we ever become Christians in the first place? If they're not going to allow us to do what we want in the church, then I don't want to participate. Well, guess what? The first day you came to the church, it wasn't about you. It had nothing to do. In fact, we were here to present the cross so that you could die to yourself and all your wants that Christ might live. So that we can see God in this place. And if you want to see you in this place, this is not your place. And God would have to address these people at, at levels that you guys would not even understand. Uh, I, I want to give one more expression of their thoughts in Numbers uh, chapter 11, verse 4. There were some weird people traveling with the people of God as they left Egypt, and they began to crave those things that were back in Egypt. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? Verse 5. We, we want to eat our stuff. We remember the fish which we freely ate in Egypt. They, they, they go around saying the liberty they had in Egypt. They didn't have liberty. They were enslaved. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlics. They're sitting there wanting to go back under the heavy hand of Pharaoh, the taskmasters. The Bible says they wept every day. And God saw their weeping, saw their crying, and sent a deliverer to Egypt to set them free. I want you to just imagine what to you is the heavy hand that is required to be upon you so that you produce. What is the sentiment you can't produce out of the expression of love and joy and gratefulness. You have to be forced to do things that you do not want. You, you have continued in your slave mindset. And, and God wants to deliver us from that. If you see, as, as God brought this, I want you to imagine this. You're there amongst a multitude of people, every single one of them a slave. Imagine an outbreak when, when everybody that's forced to do something against their will now is at the liberty to do whatever they want. I want to suggest to you, you have chaos and havoc is reeking there amongst those people. So God says, okay, we need to start organizing these people who have self-centered thoughts. In Numbers chapter 9, verse 17, he says, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to learn when to go and when to stay. Because slaves want to do whatever they want, whenever they want. And God wants to bring you guys in to understand that there's a time to go and a time to stay. And, and you can't be at the liberty to go when it's time to stay. And you can't stay when it's time to go. And so he says, whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that, when the cloud was moving, the children of Israel would journey. 
And in the place where the cloud would stop and settle, there the children of Israel would have to pitch their tents. This, this is the old concept of, well, I go forward? Not if God's not going forward, my friend. And, and will I stop? Not if God is going forward. So they weren't subject to their own desire. And I want to ask you, are you a self-willed person? And everybody has to say amen. Because you want to do what you want, how you want, where you want. And that's not the kingdom of God. If those people, when they came out of Egypt being slaves, and they had the mindset, ready, here's the mindset. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. So when the cloud stops, I'm going to keep on walking. Well, here's what happened. That cloud turned into a column of fire at night, and it kept the people warm. So because in the desert, it's super cold at night. So the cloud would form into a pillar of fire. It kept the campground warm. And during the day, it would turn into a cloud, and the sun, they would be an overcast protecting God's people. Do you want the cloud of God to be over your life? then you can't go forward when God has said stop. And then we start wondering, how many days is God going to make us stop? How many days is God going to not move forward? I, I, I've got the answer. Ready? As many days as he can, desires. God is God and you're not. So when you want to go and God wants you to stay, verse 18 says like this. At the Lord's command, the Israelites would journey onward, and at his command, they would camp. The cloud represented God. And if you don't want to live with God, you don't have an issue. You can do whatever you want. God gives you the entitlement to come and go as you please. When, when in the book of Job, God tells the devil, where are you, my friend? Where do you come from? He says, I'm doing whatever I want. I come and I go throughout the earth. I'm a wanderer. Nobody tells me what to do and when. You're just a slave. You're not a servant. A servant is told when to come and when to go. And that's the very first time that this people is confronted with their will. And, and it becomes an issue, and especially in our generation. At the command of the Lord, the Israel would go, would journey, and at the command of the Lord, you know, I have people who say, oh, why do you have to always do what God wants? Because he's God. I was telling, I, I, was, I was at a funeral last week, and, and I talked about a story I have about a funeral. I did a funeral about six years ago, and as I was doing the funeral, there was an 80-year-old woman in the back, and I says, because the Lord says he has prepared mansions for us in eternity. He says, fear not. If it weren't true, I wouldn't tell you. In my father's house, there's many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And this old lady in the back goes, that's a lie. She said in Spanish, eso es mentira. And I said, and, and Jesus came to save our souls. And she goes, that's not true. And so she spent the whole funeral, as I would talk about the word of God, she was saying it was a lie, it was not true, don't believe it. And I said, there you go, is an example of an unbeliever. But if you become a believer, 
you now are looking to the heavens for when you go forward and when you go. If you're a young girl, we told you to wait until God prepares a husband for you, a family for you. Those women who do that, they receive great peace and joy. Those who don't are going to be in the wilderness without no covering. At night, they're going to freeze their butts off. At the day, they're going to fry like an egg. And they're going to wonder why they walked away from God. It says they stayed above the tabernacle. They remained in camp. Verse 19. Look how it goes. It says, even when the cloud lingered over the tabernacle for many days, the Israelites would keep their obligation to the Lord and not move forward. They would not journey. If the cloud didn't move, they weren't moving. They were not moving an inch out of the will of God. They were following God in the cloud. That is, I was telling this morning, I was talking to, last night to Pastor Oscar. I was talking to another pastor. I said, listen to him. The most difficult thing about a Christian is this concept that God has ingrained in us that we could do nothing without God. We got to wait. How long do we wait? For as long as God wants us to wait. That's difficult. Nobody in our generation is waiting for diddly squat. They're not waiting. If God's not in it, I'm going forward. If God's making me wait, I'm not waiting. But God was teaching his people that even when the cloud continued long, how, like, Lord, how long? How long? You, you need to learn the concept of waiting because nothing will happen until God says it's going to happen. And surrender that part of your life. Don't make it up. Verse 20. Sometimes the cloud would remain only a few days over the tabernacle, and then it would move. In accordance with the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then at his command, they set out. Verse 21. If sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, when the cloud was lifted in the morning, they would journey on whether in the daytime or the night. Whenever the cloud was lifted, they would set out. I love verse 22. Ready? Here it goes. Whether it was two days, a month, a year. Imagine that, that you get the, that, that, okay, we're moving because the cloud's moving, we're moving, the cloud's moving, we're moving. And you get seven days and we're moving and the cloud's moving and then stop. And you're like, no, we, it's one day, two days, three, a year? And you're not moving? Some of you would backslide right there. Some of you couldn't take it. Because you get used to momentum. One, one day, two days. And he says, when the cloud remained above the tabernacle, whether it was two days, a month, or a year, you're waiting on God. The children of Israel would remain in camp and not journey. But when it was taken up, then they would move. Then they would move. And so we, we don't know what God is formulating. What, what, why is it taking so long? What is God doing? I'm going to tell you something right up I, I, as a leader. God's up to something awesome. He's, he's not wasting our time. He's not delayed. What he's doing is his perfect work. And he makes all things beautiful in his time. And, and we can enjoy that with the understanding we're not in a rush to go anywhere. We're not going to be overtaken by a slave mentality. Slave mentality is I got to run. 
I got to leave because this guy's ruining my life. And Paul tells Onesimus in the book of Philemon, go back to your master. God is working a good work there. Submit. Stay there. Stay put. He's formulating something that he's going to use in the future. Psalm 106 verse 7, it says, uh, the fathers in Egypt did not understand God's wonder. Understand this, God cannot use a people that are out of order. Our chaos is, is not beneficial to God. They did not remember the multitude of his mercies, but they had a rebellious mindset. Those leaders of Egypt never got the slave mentality out of their hearts. They never became servants. This, this underground current where you on the outside are appearing as a servant, but in the interior subterraneous like movement of water that nobody's seen, you're seditious. That word is a crazy word. Sedition. You have broken the ranks of God's people. You're like Johnny. Johnny, sit down. No, I'm not going to sit down. Johnny, sit down. No, I'm not going to sit down. The teacher grabbed him and sat him down. He says, well, I'm sitting down, but on the inside, I'm standing up. <laughs> on the inside, I have my self-will to do lo que me da la gana. I'm going to do whatever I want. Guess what, my friend? You're going to miss out God. You're not the people of God. One of the things that God has shown us in coming to the church and to become the body of believers, that we no longer are doing what we want. Hebrews 3.16 says, For having heard God's heart, they rebelled. They didn't do what God wanted. They heard they knew God wanted them to surrender, but they rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of G uh, Egypt? All of them came out, and they were all led by Moses. But verse 17 says, With whom was he angry? During a 40-year exodus, was it not with those who sinned, who ended up dying in the desert? Okay, this is the most horrible thing. You're out in the world. You don't have God. You don't listen to anybody. You're a slave to the systems of the world. You come into God, but your heart is still slave mindset. You're not laying down your life. You feel that you're being forced to do everything you don't want. You're not offering your life in a volunteer mindset. You're not on the team. You contradict everything that goes on in the house of God. If it was you leading, things would be different. Thank God you're not leading. Thank God you're not calling the shot that there's a cloud over this house. And we are all alive because the cloud has stayed. There's been provision of God that's been crazy in this place. But we haven't done anything of ourselves. I wanted land a long time ago. I wanted building a long time ago. I wanted many things a long time ago. We can't because we have a bunch of slaves. People that don't want to work together. They want to work self. They're thinking self-centeredly. They're not servants. And so here God is trying to transform us. These people who heard, these people who were led by Moses, these people who were part of that body died in their journey. Why did they die? The Bible says why they died. Verse he Hebrews 3, 19, the next verse. It says they did not. So 
we see that they could not enter into God's purpose because they didn't have a heart that lined up with God's heart. They didn't see it. They didn't see it. And chapter 4 verse 2 says, We also have heard the good news that was told to us. Now we're not in Egypt. We're not in the desert. Now we're in Miami. We heard the good news to be servants is better to be slaves. But the word which they heard did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith in those who heard it. I want to say here that the development of the heart of Christ is being intertwined and into our hearts so that we might lose our lives like Jesus lost his. There's no sense of entitlement in Jesus' life. He did, not, he did not consider laying his life as a waste of time. He was seeing it, the joy set before him. What it would, listen, what we saw this week, again, we could continue to see it, but what we saw refreshed this week is we're still here serving the next generation of young girls. There's some people that couldn't be part of that. They're not looking for the benefit of others. They're looking for their self-benefit. They're looking for an opportunity to be self-centered. I, I love this portion of Scripture because now as we know who we are, many voices will call to us to be other things. In John chapter 1, verse 19, the Bible says, When John the Baptist came, they began to call him out. Who are you? John 1.19, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem to ask, who are you? I, I pray that after we hear this message, you, you don't allow the world to define you as somebody who's being overpowered and forced to serve God, to love God, to gather with his people, to serve his people. You are losing your life that you might find it. You're, you're truly into this to see God's expression. And when they asked him, who are you? In verse 20, he says, I am not the Christ. I'm not the show. I'm not here to save the world. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the big shot in town. I'm not the expression of the Lamb of God. Try, try to figure out what your pursuit is. And so people will want to know. What's going on? What's your expression of your participation in the Lord? And he says, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Savior of the world. You guys, you guys know who the Christ is. You know who carried the weight of the sins of the world. You know him who forgives. You know him who shined with the glory of the unbegotten of the Father. And they asked him, well, since you are not Jesus, verse 21, if you're not the Christ... They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? Are you another expression of this powerhouse all-star player on God's team? When we started this church, God called us out to start Spring of Life Fellowship. I said, Lord, there's a little problem. I've never conducted a miracle. I've never done that. I'm not like Benny Hinn. All, all the preachers that were, when, I start, when, when we started here 20 years ago, all the preachers were doing great and big things. Man, to be a leader of a church, you have to be a powerhouse. And I haven't done any miracles. And, and then the Lord says, no, you don't have to do a lot of miracles. You, all you have to do is, is obey what I want you to do. And so he says, I'm not Elijah. 
I don't bring fire down from heaven. If you see his bio, if you see Elijah's bio, um, he raised a child from the dead. He, he declared a famine over Israel. He multiplied meal and oil. He called fire down from heaven to kill the enemies that were chasing him. And he says, I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm not a powerhouse, miracle-producing, fire-falling individual. And so they asked him, then who are you? Verse, let's go back to, to the, John 1, and let's go to verse 22. And they said to him, who are you? That we might give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Well, why are you a part of that place? The concept of, of the amount, let me tell you something. We, we, have, we have some incredible children, and, and you guys know them, and they're all throughout this place. They're just powerhouses. But, but they come from powerhouse parents. And, and imagine what would happen if, if what God has put together in this place became just a mindset of we're going to give God our best. We're not, we're not going to highlight what we've done, where we've done, how we've done it. We're just going to, we're going to serve the Lord in his capacity. He says like this in verse, uh, verse 23, I believe. He says, give us an answer as to who you are. And he says, I am a simple voice of somebody who is in the wilderness, crying out, prepare a way for God. I'm just a voice. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not a big shot. I have no uh, sense of entitlement. I'm not here to be acknowledged. I'm not here to be considered. I'm, not, I'm here to offer myself to lose my life serving others. That, that's, that's what creates a, a land of Beulah like we've been talking about, that, that is what allows us to experience a climate that's not chaotic. If, if you read 1 uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he, he says these words, you used to be, uh, 1 Peter 2.10, you used to be not a people. What, what the heck is this? Not a people. Yeah, my friend, you were all about you. You were so selfish. You could care less about others. It was all about you. Who cares? My daughter's not running down the fashion. I'm, I'm not going to ladies with dignity. My granddaughter's not there. I'm not going. She's not wearing the pretty dress. I have nothing to celebrate. You're just a self-centered slave. You're not laying down your life for the benefit of those whose parents aren't even here. We have a multitude of young girls whose parents are slaved. They're self-centered. They're checked out. You are the expression of their uh, celebration. Those girls lit up like the sun yesterday. I was enjoying. One of the girls came up the catwalk, and she went like this. She went. She was in the limelight. She's like, this is my turn to shine. And shine before who? Shine before the servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Not before selfish people. My granddaughter didn't come. My, my daughter didn't come. My granddaughter didn't come. You didn't come. 
You're thinking like a slave. You're, you're not thinking like a servant. You're, you're not prepared to change the world. A world changer has died that Christ might live. Those who once were not a people are now the people of God. Who rejoice in seeing an orphan girl dress up out of the closet. In, in clo- it was great because the girls that were in there like, Mommy, that, that doesn't fit you. You got some big hips. And, and th- that simple advice will bless her the rest of her life. But you weren't here. The devil stole from you. You didn't participate. You didn't lay down your life. You thought it a burden. You thought it the perfect opportunity to go on vacation. Because people, people are a burden to us when we're not servants. You who are not a people now are a people. You who used to come and go as you please. The only way that a slave doesn't go is when he's under the crisis of whip. Hey, why didn't you go? Well, man, I was just beat up, so I, I couldn't. And then the other thing is a self-restraint where you have resources and you're laying them down because you're not a slave to you. You're laying them down because you're a servant to others. Because once you were not a people, now you're the people of God. You don't have selfish mindset up here. You're not walking. I, I want you guys to please look up in the dictionary the word sedition. There's not going to be one single seditious spirit in the kingdom of God. What is sedition? The undercurrent of rebellion. That's, that's the devil's mindset. I'm not going to be a servant. I'm going to establish myself. And where self is not established, I won't participate. That, that's not the heart of God. That's not the spirit of the Lord. That's not the land of Beulah. There's no order in that. It's chaotic. Once you were not a people, now you're a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now... This love of God, this mercy is pouring out of your pores. Verse 11, beloved, I urge you as you are sojourners and you're exiles, you're you're just going through the land, abstain from the passions of the flesh because they tear, they make war against your soul. Don't allow you to enjoy this. Could, Could there be any greater controversy than the celebration of what took place yesterday? I, I talked about this a lot. When the girl goes to get married, she makes the wedding and all the details and all the features more important than the substance of her love going to the altar. More important than the hand of God upon that relationship. She's upset because the limo was late, because the flowers weren't the color she wanted, because the dress is too short, because she's all caught up in the crap and she is not enjoying the miracle. She's not enjoying the hand of God in her life. So a lot of people are like that in the church. The church is filled. Listen to me. I could talk a half hour about the chaos that ensued. One of my nieces came up to me and says, Oh, Theo, I'm so sorry that your office looks like hell. It was messed up. There were bags everywhere. I wasn't looking at my office. I was looking at the glory of God. That the primary reality was seen. Uh, listen to me. 
A bunch of little girls got set free yesterday and the day before. They, they were delivered from the yoke of this world's expectation and judgment. And so here we saw the glory of God. And God, it tells us when to come. And God tells us when to go. And he's the one that tells us this is to abstain from the flesh which wars against the soul. Keep your conduct. Verse 12. Amongst the Gentiles in a manner which is honorable, dignified. So that when they speak evil against you, they may, be, uh, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. When people leave church and they're like, can you believe they had these horrible flower pots in the big, at the front of the pulpit? And they had a horrible, and all they do is go home and criticize. They talk bad. They don't see anything good. They will ruin their marriages. They'll ruin their families. They don't see the hand of God in anything. Look what, what the contrast is here. Once we were not a people, now we're a people. So Peter says, now since we're a people, verse 13, let us come under the authority of the ruling parties. Submit yourselves. Once you couldn't, because you had a slave mentality, uh, how are we going to break out of here? This horrible place called Spring of Life. Ah, how, how, and, and he says, look, now that you're a people, submit yourself to every ordinance of man. For the Lord's sake, whether to the king who rules, or people love to talk bad about the president, there's wickedness. Because the representation of the authorities placed on the land are set by God. It's his cloud that he sets. Verse 14, he says, be subject. Submit yourself to these ordinances, to these governors, as to those who are sent by him. They're placed there by God for the punishment of those that do wrong and for the praise of those who do good. The order of God is in place. And so we see them come out of Egypt. God begins to put order in their lives. He says, you're going to walk when I say walk. You're going to stop when I say stop. You're going to go when I say go. You're going to enter when I say enter. He says like this, I have 10 commandments for you. These are going to be the rules of the game. And he starts putting, he says, there's going to be three tribes at the west, three tribes at the north. This is a, a people in shambles. A people in shambles never asked permission for anything. We're forced to do everything. And now we have the liberty to do whatever you want. And if you decide to become a servant, you yield your spirit to be led by people of God. And you'll be headed to produce an expression that will manifest his glory. And, and this is not, trust me, like we see in, in, in Hebrews 3, that many did not enter in because their hearts could not become like a servant. They, they had arguments. They didn't have faith. They did not believe. The devil has stolen their faith and their belief. And God looks up from the heavens. He looks down to the earth. A lot of us get angry. Why the chaos ensues. Why we cannot head in the direction of our blessing and prosperity, a land that flows with milk and honey. I want to tell you why we have a bunch of slaves in our midst. People who have not surrendered their will. And what God is saying today, will you become a servant? Will you voluntarily, peacefully, and joyfully surrender your will and serve so you could shine? 
in Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, Jonah's upset. He says, I don't understand why you're giving these guys a break. And he says, because those guys don't know the difference between their right hand and their left. Look at this. Whatever argument you might have to say, well, the reason I am the way I am is because people are ignorant. God knows. You're not impressing God for being self-willed because of other people's don't know what they're doing. God says, I know these people. They don't know their right hand from their left, but my mercy is upon their life. My mercy is upon their life and their livestock. What God has given us. Let's stand this uh, afternoon. And I, I want to tell you that th this is not an easy place. The place where we have come to, God is bringing people that are used to 400 years of a slave mindset. I, I was trying to reach to a family yesterday. And I was saying, listen, God wants you to save your household. And, and her response was, in this country, if you don't have money, you can't save your family. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that like a slave to think like that? But the truth is that family is promoted by those who love God. God puts the family together. He puts the individual, the selfish person, in a family we, we care about other people's daughters. They don't care about anybody's daughter. If their daughter wasn't in the mix, they wouldn't have shown up. That's a slave mentality. But a servant's mentality is that little girl could change the world. If God ministers to her heart, if God touches her life, she will be the next princess that manifests his glory. And, and since we're into this for God's glory and not our own, we're not seditious. Please look up the word seditious. The inability to do things as a team. We're, we're the people of God. When people see us here together, they have to see that we care one for the other. Well, Pastor, why are you doing this? Is your daughter here? No, she's not. Is your granddaughter? No, she's not. Is your niece? No, they're not. They're not participating. But they're little girls who need us to serve them. I'm sure that everything, every detail, it was precious and beautiful yesterday. Every person that brought clothes, every person that cooked, every person that cleaned, every person that organized. Lily and, and, and Josue did the whole backdrop and, and they presented everything beautiful for God. That's the difference between being a slave where your will is imposed upon. Everything is, 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 is disgusting. Set free from that spirit and become a servant. And the joy of God fill your heart. If you want to head in that journey to stop being slave-minded, a self-centered mentality, and you want to begin to offer yourself as a servant of the Lord, raise your right hand. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you that in Christ Jesus we have a model and an example of a servant leader, of one who laid down his life for the benefit of his friends. We want to be like Jesus. 
Take away self-centeredness. Remove it as far as the east is from the west, the nature of sin that causes us to be seditious, to do things with the undercurrent of rebellion. We pray, Father God, that you give us a submissive heart to honor those in authority, to bless those that you have set in leadership. Allow us to serve so that we might be the greatest amongst your people. Give us a heart to not be like Elijah, to not be the saviors of the world, but to be a voice that cries in the wilderness, make straight the paths of God. Follow God. Do it his way for his glory. Allow us to acknowledge the cloud that you have set that is holding us in a holding pattern waiting for your glorious realities to appear. You're the one that tells us to go forward and you're the one that tells us to stop. You tell us what to eat and what to abstain from eating. You tell us what conversations to enjoy and what conversations not to participate in. Because those who murmured, the the destroyer was sent after them. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that we might make it to the land that flows with milk and honey, to the land of Beulah, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.